Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast, proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. My name is DJ Short and with me here once again is Drew Silva. This is a taped version of the show. Just for reference, we are recording on Thursday, November 4th. The World Series is now behind us with the Braves being crowned World Series champions, taking the Astros in six games. And guess what? The, the hot stove does not rest. We're already going into off-season mode here. Well, sort of, I guess. Uh, we already have a bunch of free agents, though who knows when they'll actually sign. But with that topic of free agency in mind, we have Matthew Poliat back with us on the show here. Matthew writes his top 100 free agents piece every year for NBC Sports Edge. We'll pick his brain a little bit about that. Also talk about the qualifying offer process and how that might play out. Matthew, thanks for coming back on the show. It hasn't been too long, right? Oh, great to be back. We usually do like a off-season preview show. Um, it feels weird to try to do one this year. I, I think we're kind of uh, flying by the, the seat of our pants. Is that a saying? Or just we really it don't is. know what That's to expect with, with with this winter. Um, so we'll we'll kind of attack the issues as they come. Hopefully there's a quick resolution to the, the CBA stuff. I, I think we all feel like there's probably not going to be. Uh, yeah. But there's not much clarity as to, as to how things are going to go transactions-wise, if there's going to be some kind of official or unofficial freeze. Uh, we've already seen a few moves. Uh, Tucker Barnhart getting traded to the Tigers, but I think the the big signings, I, I don't see them coming in November. Like we've had, I think last year we had a few in November. I don't know if we're going to see that this year. Yeah, I'm not anticipating a lot of action here. There is an off-season calendar complete with, you know, winter meetings, Rule 5 draft, all that kind of stuff, but I get a sense we're not going to be going down that path. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And, and like Drew said, um, you know, we're going to play it by ear this offseason uh, as far as what we're covering on the show, because uh, there might not be a whole lot to, to talk about. We might have to get creative. We might have to do our game show idea. We'll see. I'm excited <laughs> that about could, that. It could be fun. Yeah. That could be more fun than talking about, you know, where Jonathan VR signs or something. So, uh, we have that to look forward to. We'll see how it plays out, but we do have, in theory, free agents. And if it happens in a normal offseason, you would say this class is like one of the most talented we've seen in a really, really long time. Like, just looking at Matthew's list, I'm like, wow. Like, you could go like 25 deep that are like legit, you know, all stars. Um, so it's. It's a really talented class. I, I mean, it's just going to be, I don't know how long it's going to take for this to resolve. And I think there are a lot of teams, we've talked about this, that are still going to be crying poor a bit um, mm -hmm. after the pandemic shortened 2020 season and not having full ballparks this past season. Like the Reds um, trading yeah. Tucker Barnhart. And their GM comes out and says, like, yeah, we need to get more streamlined or whatever GM. We need to align our whatever yeah. he said. The not, a, not real yeah. words that people say. The A's yes. let their man longtime manager walk and then decline a $4 million option on Jake Diekman, who's been a very effective reliever for them over the last two years. So there are indications that a, a lot of teams are not going to be willing to spend. And there's a lot of difference making talent, like you said, DJ, 
um, in this free agent class. And so it could be an opportunity for a lot of teams that want to get better um, to get better. That's the new market inefficiency, just trying a little bit. Yeah. And, and one of the names that was on your list, Matthew, and we didn't expect him to actually hit free agency um, is Buster Posey. And he's not going to hit free agency now because he's he's decided to retire. And, it, and I think it, it shocked a lot of people because um, after opting out of the 2020 season, uh, he had two uh, newly adopted baby girls that you know his family welcomed um, and he decided to opt out of the season the COVID shortened season, uh, but he came back this year and he looked incredible, uh, had a great year, uh, hit 304, had an 889 OPS, was still fantastic behind the plate. I know everybody talked about, you know, what Salvador Perez did, which was obviously impressive, but, you know, all around, including defense, pitch framing, Buster Posey was the best catcher in baseball this year. So surprising to see him go out as he's doing here, but hey, you know, he walked away from a ton of money, you know, more power to him. Like he doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. But I think the immediate reaction from people was talking about Hall of Fame. So, Matthew, what's your take? Is he is he automatic no brainer to you? I mean, it's not a no brainer, but, I, you know, even if he didn't have the three world championships where he was the best player on the team, you look at his stats and, you know, just the stats, they're fine for a Hall of Fame catcher. And you add in. You know, he was the best player on three World Series winners. How can you not yeah. put him in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes baseball doesn't necessarily factor in postseason success into the Hall of Fame resume like you see in football or basketball. Um, yeah. But when you win three, like like he and those Giants teams did, you got to factor it in. And caught. I mean, has he caught the most postseason innings ever? Jorge Posada probably has, right? But Posey's got to be right up there. Um, yeah. and actually, you know, caught 95% of those innings for the Giants. I can understand why he's stepping away. I was going to – he had some quotes during his press conference this afternoon where he's like, uh, you know, I just – I want to get the months of February through November back uh, for me and my family. And I was going to tweet like, you know, same. Like, <laughs> yeah. But then I, I looked it up. He's actually two months younger than I am. It made wow. me it made me really sad. I'm like, I'm like, man, I got a I got a lot more years of of working before I can consider retirement. Yeah, um, but no, hats off to him, man. What a great career. And I I don't know if he'll be first ballot Hall of Famer. It kind of depends who else is on that ballot and and what voters are thinking. But he's going to get in there within the first couple of years of his candidacy, as he should. I I think you got to factor in the the World Series championships. And catcher is an underrepresented position in the Hall of Fame, I think, with with the demands. You can't compare his um, counting stats and rate stats to a first baseman. Yeah, and and also I've seen the comparisons thrown out to Jorge Posada, but that's leaving out the whole catching part of being a catcher, uh, where obviously Posey was – was superior and that's what puts catchers into this you know strange category where it is hard to to value um that element of his game but we have that you know technology and ability to to see that that this year he i believe this year he led the league in in uh in framing runs and like he's still and and even the years prior to that he was usually near the top as well um so we have that ability to go and get that data so to me, I know, you know, people have talked about Yadier Molina being a, a no-doubter. I, I, I think as far as this era is concerned, like, Posey's right there with, with him, you know? I would put um, Posey above him, but... 
Yeah, I mean, me, me too. I, I think for a good six-year period, Posey was one of the best players in baseball, top five. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like by Fangraphs war, especially, which factors in those framing stats and has integrated catching defensive metrics into their war calculation. He was, I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. Yeah, like you said, for like a six, Period. seven year yeah. stretch right yeah. behind Mike Trout, which is incredible. So with uh, Posey retiring, I, th- I think maybe if assuming the DH comes to the National League next year, we thought that was probably going to happen. There might have been a way for Joey Bart to get in there anyway and, and play a you know semi-regular role in the Giants lineup. But now I think there's going to be a lot of focus turned back towards him with the Giants. And, you know, he's gotten some looks in the majors so far and really hasn't shown us very much. Um, but I think I still think there's a good power potential bat here. Maybe not like the superstar we might have thought a few years ago, but um, certainly in, in a ballpark which has trended toward offense in the past couple of seasons, he's somebody you should probably watch in in a deeper mixed league, I think going into next year. What do you think, Matthew? I agree. I think. I mean, he's always had a track for, for average and probably fifteen homer power right now or so. I would think. Yeah. You know, somewhere in the ten to fifteen range among catchers next year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's I been a, a pretty you know darn good minor league, upper minor league performer. Like you said, maybe not to the level that we had expected, but still, you know, mid eight hundred OPSs with. You know, he, capable of 20 to 25 homer power over a, a full regular season in the minors. We'll see how that translates now that he's finally probably going to be an everyday guy uh, for yeah. San Francisco. I think Tyler Stevenson gets a big bump, yeah. too. We kind of brushed over the Tucker Barnhart news, but uh, when spring rolls around or whenever draft season rolls around um, after this offseason, I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be shooting up draft boards as well, Tyler Stevenson. Yeah. That's a good yeah, point. I him in the top 10 for next year right now. I, I yeah. love it. The way he uh, interesting. Yep, yeah, I I really like the way he looked too. So we'll talk about these qualifying offers in a second, but first the NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night Seven. Predict what will happen on Sunday Night Football for a chance to win up to one hundred thousand dollars every week. It's free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com/slash/predictor. With the qualifying offer, if, if you're new to this idea, maybe you've heard about it a little bit in the past. Basically, uh, MLB takes the average of the highest 125 players in baseball to, to come up with this number. Uh, this year, it's 18.4 million. So when a player reaches free agency, their team can, they have the option to extend this qualifying offer of one year. So one year, 18.4 million to their pending free agent that player has 10 days to decide whether to accept it. So this year, those qualifying offers are due this Sunday, November 7th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, players will have 10 days, so until November 17th, to decide whether or not to accept. Um, and there's a really long list of players who I think will will get one. Uh, we should point out that players that were traded during the season are not eligible to get the qualifying offer as well as players who have received qualifying offers in the past. So that group would be like Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gosman, Kenley Jansen, Nelson Cruz, guys like that. Uh, players traded during the season, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Starling Marte, uh, Max Scherzer, you know, guys like that. 
Um, but still, there's a long list of guys that's going to get it. I think probably one of the longest lists of players that we've seen. Yeah. At least in, in my recent memory. Um, Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, uh, Corey Seager, Nick Castellanos, Marcus Semien, Clayton Kershaw, Robbie Ray. Like those are like the obvious ones. There's more, there's others that are more on the bubble, I guess you could say. Um, the Rockies kept John Gray at the trade deadline. I think they're probably going to extend him a qualifying offer. We'll see if they can work out an extension. It does seem to be mutual interest there. Um, sometimes over this 10 day period, you can work out a longer type of deal. Uh, I think the Mets are probably going to give one to at least Michael Conforto. There's been some rumors that maybe they're questioning whether to do that with Noah Syndergaard. To me, it's a no brainer to just take a one year deal with Syndergaard and see what happens. Um, also because it locks in some certainty going into next year. I think the Mets need that. So are there any others that you think could surprise some people with qualifying offers? Justin Verlander is interesting. Um, Yeah. I think Astros owner Jim Crane uh, at some point during the playoffs said they would give him a qualifying offer, but he wants a multi-year deal. When it comes down to it, do you think he might just accept a one-year 18-point four million dollar contract uh, coming off Tommy John surgery having kind of been a forgotten guy um I, th- I think that'd be tempting to him maybe he can yeah maybe he's just going to re-sign with the Astros anyway and he can turn it into like two years 30 something million um, yeah you can always tear it up later we've seen that happen before yeah. um but yeah I could see him being an accept Chris Taylor I should have put yeah I was going to say too. Chris Taylor he he's a really yeah. interesting one um, I, I think he's going to do pretty well for himself with his versatility. Uh, yeah. I, I see him rejecting it easily. Yeah, we're going to have a, a, at least 10 players who will get it and reject it, which has to be a record since they implemented this system. Yeah, um, so we should say if a player rejects and signs with the other team, or with another team, his, for, his former team receives draft pick compensation. It can vary depending on a number of factors, so I don't want to get it too complicated. But some other uh, players, I think, are on the bubble right now. Uh, Carlos Rodon with the White Sox, with the way things ended for him this year, I think it would have been a a no-brainer if we're talking about, like, July. But right now, I'm not sure. Brandon Belt, maybe, too. Brandon Belt. Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he's going to do really well, regardless of whether he gets that qualifying offer tag. I think he's really... Uh, intriguing and you know the two pitchers with the Giants Anthony DeScofani Alex Wood I don't know I'm inclined to think probably not but I could see it possibly I think that's a little rich for Is them it, yeah that's yeah. a little rich for them and they showed flashes this year of being really good but if I were those two pitchers I'd probably go ahead and accept that I don't think they're going to yeah. get 18.4 million dollar a year average annual value on the open market Rysel Iglesias that's yeah is an interesting one. I, yeah. I mean, he is. Uh, I don't know. What is the relief? Really good. Yeah. What is the relief market like? Like as a, as far as proven closers, if teams even value Jansen. Yeah. Maybe Kimbrel will be available one way or another, um, mm-hmm. whether it's trade or free agency. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd say that's the top of the market. Really only two that you can really count on. So yeah, but I mean, he's he's so good. He's, I think he's super underrated, but yeah, I think he's right on that bubble too, probably. So any, either way, I mean, it's a really long list of, of talented players. 
so keep an eye out for that, you know, especially as we, we start to look at this list of uh, free agents. And we'll actually start, Matthew, uh, right at the top. And I think maybe there's some debate as to what you consider the, the number one free agent. I think it could go either way uh, between Carlos Correa and Corey Seager. You went with Corey Seager. I, I'm interested to hear your, your reasoning for Seager over Correa. Uh, my rankings here are not actually my personal opinion. It's how I, my opinion of what I think the teams will do. So I don't yeah. rank them just how I prefer them. I think that Seager can get the better contract. That's why I listed him first. Obviously, Correa was a better player this year, but I just think Seager's got so much offensive potential that he hasn't even reached yet. And I think he's, you know, the stat cast numbers are wonderful and they can just be one of the best hitters in the game for the next five, eight years. Yeah, right? only, only 27 years old. You could see him moving to third base and filling out um, and like just yeah. becoming a preeminent left-handed slugger. I think the left-handedness helps to, I think you noted that in your column and yeah, Correa has been super inconsistent. Seager's inconsistency has just has a lot to do with durability and they both have yeah. a little bit of durability issues. Um, so yeah. I, I think if you can keep Seager healthy and maybe moving him to a different position if you're going to give him a, a – Matthew, you predicted nine years, $300 million. That seems super rich, but, hey, possibly. Um, if, yeah. if, you, if you sign him that long-term of a deal, you're thinking about you know, the future and, and putting him probably at a different spot that's a little bit less physically demanding and possibly first base, DH, you know, towards the end of that kind of deal. Yeah, and I think you're, you're kind of looking at one year fewer than what Francisco Lindor got, but like similar AAV. So mm. – I think that sounds about right. And I expect the Yankees to be in the mix with either of these guys. Um, You know, getting the sense from Yankees fans, I think they like Seager a little bit more. Some of that might just be the Astros thing. I I don't really know. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think Seager would be really good for the Yankees. Not necessarily like the defensive upgrades. You know, I'm not really sure about Seager. The metrics are kind of mixed uh defensively i think he'd be fine um but correa is the better you know defender there but either way i I think seager would be a great fit on the yankees and i i expect them to be heavily involved with all these guys uh marcus Semien as well there's no trevor story too story who we'll get to here in a little bit so um yeah a lot of a lot of good shortstops uh and you actually have trevor story number three on your list matthew and I don't know. I, I think maybe that could be somewhat controversial. I'm not sure. It is. I uh, didn't know it was, but now I realize apparently after I heard some opinions that there's a little out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, but it's a premium position. Shortstop, the defense matters. I think we've learned to not um, take the away numbers from Coors Field too, too seriously, knowing the adjustment that the players have to make when they you know, go on a road trip there. And Story did finish strong, too. And the approach is still good. So I, I'm confident he'll he'll bounce back. And I could see him being a great fit at Yankee Stadium, too. The defense is better than Seager. I think he's going to he's going to get a really nice contract. Yeah, he's an excellent defender. The power is going to hold up. I mean, his power, you look at his metrics, they're all very good. The power, the average will be, you know, iffy. But I think, you know, for that defense and 30 homers a year, I think he might be a little bit of a bargain compared to what Seager and Correa gets probably gonna get less than half what they do. I agree. I, I, I would I want the Cardinals specifically to to kind of target Trevor Story 
um, just because it seems like he's going to be that much cheaper, like on, on half maybe the contract length and, and half the overall guaranteed dollars than those guys. And I, there's a difference in age, of course. Uh, what Seeger will be – I mean, Story will be 29 or he already is 29. Um, but I don't think there's necessarily as big of a drop-off as, as what the projected – salaries are going to the, the projected contracts are going to be between these three shortstops and then i mean you have marcus simeon up there too um javier baez as well it's it's yeah. a bit of a like a a buyer's market for shortstops and i wonder how that affects them all and like i said i don't think a ton of teams are going to be spending big money this winter and how many contending teams really even need a shortstop anyway it's a pretty talent filled position around the league right now yeah that's definitely I mean, true. How many teams that made the playoffs this year need a shortstop? Not the Rays, not the Red Sox, not the White Sox. I guess Astros, if they lose Korea. Yeah. Not, not the Braves. Yeah. Not the Brewers, the Yankees. Um, not, I guess not the Giants, uh, the Dodgers. I guess they can move Trey Turner over there. Um, yeah, it, it's just yeah. that there aren't a ton of contending big money teams that – really need a shortstop I mean, you, you can move these guys to other positions they're athletic enough to play a lot of different spots but just something to think about yeah I, th- I think we've heard the tigers expect to be aggressive and you know they've been linked to korea for obvious reasons um so i think that's a, a situation to watch you know is this a time for a team like the orioles to go spend some money they have a real good influx of prospects who are very close to the major leagues and you know, we're talking like five years where they've been just absolutely terrible. I think it's probably time for the Orioles to start doing some stuff. So I'll believe it when I see it. Chris Davis is off the books. It's time. It's <laughs> time. A slow build. It's not going to be a go buy a couple superstars right away thing. Yeah. Maybe they'll go get a couple uh, younger free agents that are okay, but I don't think they're going to splurge right now. Well, you have Freddie Freeman, number four, on your list, which, you know, I saw some social media response. People people wanted Freddie Freeman to be higher, but that's leaving out a really important component. He's 32 years old. He's a first baseman. We love Freddie Freeman here. I'm a Mets fan, and I find a way to love Freddie Freeman, but that's just the fact of the matter. You know, when you're talking about shortstops who are 27, you know, of course, the 32-year-old first baseman is going to be a little bit lower. It's no disrespect to Freddie. But this is how, like you said, Matthew, this is how we expect the the market to look at a player like Freddie Freeman. And to be clear, I am about 99% confident that he will re-sign with the Braves. There's there's no reason he... he I wouldn't, I'm not even going to frame it from his perspective. There's no reason the Braves shouldn't do everything they can to keep him. And that's really the only reason I put him behind story, because I think he's going back to the Braves. I don't think he'll try to max out his market necessarily, because... If he did, I think he'd probably get more than story. But as is, I think he's going back to the Braves on a more reasonable deal, probably. But yeah, I mean, if the Braves valued him as a two hundred million dollar player or something through age thirty two to to forty, whatever the size of the deal would be, that deal would already be done. Um, so maybe he does shop around a bit and, and gets himself. Um, I, I don't know. I, it would be smart for him to do because it probably will be his final payday if we're talking about a six plus year deal yeah it's not crazy to think he, he might leave um i i think the braves will figure it out but they would have already figured it out by now if they were just going to give him a blank check yeah it's really weird i mean as sorry matthew as things kind of got toward the finish line here 
during the World Series, they talked about it a lot. Like, I think Joe Buck was like, this could be Freddie Freeman's last at bat with the brain. But like prior to this, you know, this kind of narrative late in the playoffs, we all season, I feel like nobody talked about he was going to be a free agent. And maybe that's because people just assume he's going to stay, but maybe he won't. We'll see. We're, yeah, um, we're only a, a couple days away from him being a, a real, real free agent. Yeah, Monday, right? I think yeah. free agency begins on Monday. So, um, yeah, Max Scherzer, number five. And, again, I, I, that has a lot to do with the potential AAV because, you know, wherever he goes, he can pick his price. Like, he could be – he's going to be a 30-plus million dollar a year pitcher where, wherever he goes, and it's going to be a short-term deal. So, it certainly makes sense that it, he is where he is on, on here. And um, he knows his body really well. So even though he's getting up there, there's always going to be injury concern with a with a pitcher, especially an older pitcher. But I think he knows his limits, and I think we haven't seen him slow down um, when he's out there on the mound. So I, I'm through doubting Max Scherzer. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, you saw some dead arm stuff toward the end of, of the year this year, but he's kind of always had that. Like you said, he knows his body really well, and the back aches sometimes, as it will for a a dude in his late thirties who's been playing professional sports his whole life. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think he's going to get a really, he's going to get maybe the highest AAV of anyone Might be. Um, on yeah. a, on a two year contract or something. I, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a fit for anyone that feels like they want to go to the world series in 2022 yeah. and we'll see how many teams feel that way. But yeah, I mean, you I could, put you him, can say you could Yankees, put him anywhere. Red Sox, Dodgers, Yep. White Sox. I mean, there's no team he can't fit. Not everybody needs a shortstop, but everybody needs a starting pitcher. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So we talked about Marcus Semin. You have him at number six. Uh, He's 31 years old, played second base this year. You know, I I guess the only question with Semin is can he go back and play shortstop? Um, So the age and, and maybe that question. Uh, pushes him down a little bit. But again, that's that's not really a criticism. I think he's going to do really well for himself, too. Yeah, I think he played shortstop for a couple of years. I mean, he was always good there. He wasn't like he had to move off the position. It just, you know, that's the way it worked out. Blues around with him. Wanted to pay him $18 million last year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The A's. I'm sure they regret that one. But uh, uh, Chris Bryant, number seven. And he's a weird one for me because... He was really good to start out the year, if I recall, but I think his numbers were heavily propped up by those first two months because he's a pretty mediocre hitter um, the final four months of the year. I don't know if he's a great third baseman anymore either, uh, based on what I've seen, but I think he has that reputation as being versatile, and that's probably going to help him. How old is he now, Chris Bryant? He'll be 30 on opening day. Okay. Seems like he should be younger, but I guess... I guess not. I guess the Cubs held him. The Cubs held him in the minors for a few years, so <laughs> not really. But uh, yeah, I, I still think he's going to do well, maybe on reputation. But yeah, I don't feel as confident about Chris Bryan as as maybe I thought I would. No, I mean what he flashed in the early part of his career was you know a Hall of Fame type offensive talent, and I think the shoulder. I think the a couple of injuries have kind of sapped that from him. Um, but definitely an, an above average, a well above average hitter uh, who can play kind of all over the field. Like you said, I don't know if he's necessarily a great defender everywhere, but um, 
the his openness to playing anywhere and, and his ability to be okay at least average at the, those positions um I, I think gives him a lot of value and you know there's a there's name recognition there he's a guy who's won a world series championship i don't really it's hard to figure out where he ends up um i, I wouldn't even know where to start with a prediction on it i guess the yeah. giants make sense to re-sign him um because he can play a lot of different spots and the DH yeah. coming to the NL, you could almost put him anywhere. But um, I, I don't, I don't have a good feel for his market at all. Like, what, what did you predict on his contract, Matthew? I don't. Four years, a hundred million. Yeah. All right. Seems kind of safe. Yeah. He I seems kind of safe. He doesn't really feel like a superstar anymore. But yeah, I think he's going to be above average. He's a really good bat to be above average. Mm-hmm. And... The Marlins. How about that? Uh, throw that out there. Um, the Marlins could spend. That would make a lot. God, that would make a lot of sense. I don't hate that at all. They need like a solid outfield bat. Yeah, um, and they could like you could bring in the narrative of bringing in a veteran guy for all the young guys. I mean, pitching, they're set. They have young pitching, and they they don't have to pay those guys a lot. You know, yeah. If there's any off season for them to go out there and spend some money on hitters, there's so many good ones out there this year. Um, Robbie Ray, you have number eight, and I think, you know, he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher this year, but, you know, he's a, a year removed from walking, like, <laughs> the world. So hey, he there's going to be some question about that, I think. A 7 ERA in 2020, you're very close to that, I believe. Yeah. He's kind of been like that throughout his career, though, but the, the strikeout stuff, um, I, you could see some team talking there – their way into into giving him a huge contract, um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, he, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna get he's gonna finish what second or third in the AL Cy Young balloting? Maybe first. Maybe first. First. first? I think probably first. If I had to guess right now, wow. I think Garrett Cole's finish to the season kind yeah. of clinched it for him. Um, so that's gonna help, you know. And you know, peripherals wise. Like, there was no, like, he didn't fake his way into the way he pitched this year. It's just a matter of whether we think it's repeatable. Um, the Angels are going to give him, like, $180 million and it's going to be awful. <laughs> I I could actually see that. Yeah. I could see that happening. But, yeah, he has that strikeout stuff. Kind of switched his pitch mix up a little bit this year. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's a fascinating pitcher. Um but also frustrating. And, and speaking of frustrating, Javier Baez can do so many things that are amazing. You know, getting a chance to watch him down the stretch with the Mets. Like, I never I never got that chance when he was with the Cubs. But every game he does something where you're like, wow, like that's awesome. Uh, it could be defensively, running the bases. You know, he could hit a ball 450 feet. Uh, but then he could strike out three times in a row. And, you know, there is that. But... He's always probably going to be frustrating as far as approach is concerned, but he adds so much value with those other elements of his game. And and he plays a great shortstop too. I know he played second base down the stretch, but he can go in and play shortstop probably for three, four more years and be really good. Um, so I think even he might be a bargain. Um, and I think there's a chance he could stay with the Mets too. I think it's a better than 50% chance he could stay with the Mets. We need to get like whoever worked with Austin Riley to like work with Javier Baez just for like a couple of weeks um, to figure out the plate discipline. His discipline was a lot better after coming to the Mets. And he credited some of that to working uh, with Francisco Lindor every day around the cage. And Lindor has a really, really good approach. 
And I think some of that rubbed off on, on bias. So, you know, maybe he wants to keep that going. We'll see. They are close. Um, so I could see that happening. I've talked myself into bias just, you know, except for 2020, which is kind of a throwaway. He's never been yeah. bad. He's always been good. He's not consistent about it, but he's always been good. When you look up there, the year end stats are always good. And he's still so young. Yeah. I mean, and for him to be sort of an afterthought in this shortstop class after Correa and Seeger and Simeon and um, who am I missing? Story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe he'll come as a bargain to some team that's willing to get really aggressive. Yeah, I think the it's hard for me. I know you have four years, ninety million, Matthew, but I have no idea if that's going to be the final number. <laughs> like, he's the one where I'm in the most sort of confused where the contract's going to be because he is still pretty young. So I think I could see him getting more than four years with the with the right team. In a normal, but there are so many shortstops yeah. out there that maybe not. In a normal offseason, he would do way better than that but i, I don't know it, it's it's he's really hard to to pin down as to what he's yeah. going to get where he's going to go and and how he's going to perform yeah absolutely um so you have back-to-back pitchers 10 and 11 here kevin gosman had a really good year kind of had some bumps down the stretch but actually finished pretty strong uh and marcus stroman who was one of the most consistent pitchers in, in baseball this year and i think that really went overlooked uh maybe because he was on a staff with DeGrom and then the Mets kind of faded from rele- relevancy during the second half. But Hey, kudos to Stroman because he took the whole 2020 season off. First he got hurt and then he ended up opting out uh, due to COVID. And me personally, I would, I was, I had some doubts about how deep he'd be able to pitch in, in the year and if he'd be able to hold up, but I believe he was tied for the most starts in the majors. Yep. So he was super consistent uh, throughout the year. I know he doesn't induce as many ground balls these days, but it's still, you know, over 50%. Uh, and with a good defense behind him, I think he can be really good. He was good with the Mets. The Mets had a good infield defense this year and, uh, he benefited from that. So I think he'll be strategic about where he goes. He's a really, uh, cerebral pitcher. He's a very good defender. He's also a tinkerer. He really thinks about, uh, his approach, I think he's going to age really well, too, because he keeps in excellent shape. So I think he, you know, talking about bargains, I think Stroman, I, I think you could make a case that he could be top, I don't know, top six, top seven free agent. I, I think he's I think he's going to be a solid anchor for a staff, maybe not an ace, but like a really solid number two for the next few years. Yeah, bargain. I think Stroman's going to be a bargain. I, I, don't, I don't know what to predict about what he'll get, but. I think he's an underrated pitcher. Uh, doesn't have the strikeout rate of like a lot of modern aces, but the run prevention is there and it's proven over a large sample size and induces a lot of soft contact. You put him on a, a team with a really good defense, he could be a stud. And like you said, I mean, it's hard to project picture, pitcher's durability, but I could see him staying healthy with, with his kind of arsenal and delivery and um you know, physical shape, physical conditioning. I, I think he's he's young too. I mean, what he just turned thirty years old. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would feel real confident giving him a fairly long term deal if I was a, a GM and putting him on a team with some good defense and and hoping that run prevention stays where it's been over the last two plus years. Yeah, I'd feel please unblock me on Twitter, Marcus. <laughs> he blocked you. He blocked me. Yeah. What did you do? I think I said something about sort of questioning the pitching staff for the second half. So it wasn't about him necessarily. 
it was just kind of like the same question I had when we started this conversation on Stroman, like, is he going to be able to make it through the second half and like maintain his performance? I said that about the same thing about Taiwan Walker, because he hadn't pitched so much the past few years. DeGrom was a question to return. Uh, Tyler McGill had never pitched that many innings before. I kind of saw this all coming, but you know, if people are being critical of you and you want to mute it or, you know, get it out of your face, like I get it, but Hey man, I I love you, Marcus. Did he (laughs) take me back? Did he follow you before? Or like he just searched his name? It got retweeted into his timeline. Maybe it probably got retweeted. Yeah. Mm. I I mean, it's no criticism on you, Marcus, but I understand. I don't want to put negative thoughts in your head. He's not listening, DJ. No, he's not listening, probably. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Uh, Nick Castellanos. Uh, an interesting case, opting out of his, his deal with the Reds there. I guess it depends. You know, if there's universal DH going into next year, I think his market is, is a lot healthier. But his defense has actually been somewhat decent, passable. And he had a really good year, too. I think it's going to be a, a fascinating free agent. Turned a lot of those doubles into homers at, at Great American Ballpark, like we kind of predicted would happen. And yeah, I mean, he's he should be a really highly sought after offensive performer. I don't know about the defense, um, but you know, had an All Star season. That was his first All Star season, which was surprising. But thirty four home runs, hundred RBIs. The batting average was at an all time high. I don't know if he's going to be a three hundred nine kind of guy moving forward. But that number had been climbing. It was it two ninety eight in two thousand eighteen, two eighty nine in two thousand nineteen? Uh, we'll just write off two thousand twenty and three hundred nine uh, this past year for Cincinnati. Career high nine thirty nine OPS. He he seems like he's one of the better bats available out there, and he's only twenty nine years old too. Um, so I, yeah. I, the meme, the meme potential is off the charts as well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. always present with him. That's a nice little bonus um, to bring to your fan base. Starling Marte, I think is one of the more fascinating free agents because he's 33 years old. I, I'm kind of surprised by that. It seems like he's younger, but yeah, he's been in the league for a while now, but you look at the way he finished the season with the athletics. He was just awesome, but no qualifying offer attached because he was traded mid season I think he could still play some center field. So, but either way, I think he's he. How many center fielders are out there on the market this this winter? Not not that many, right? He's easily the best. Yeah, so he's going to do well wherever he goes. But I don't know. Thirty three years old. Can he keep up that kind of speed? That's a, that's I don't know. That's a question. That's more of a fantasy question, I guess. I, maybe it just depends on where he goes, philosophy wise. Yeah. They were still stealing a lot of bases this postseason. Maybe that'll carry over in the next year. It, he seems like a fit for a team that needs a a plug-in spark plug. Like you know, it doesn't have a bunch of other holes. Like he's not a guy you're going to build around because of the age. Um, like the Blue Jays, I don't know. They do they trust George Springer to stay healthy in center field? Um, like a team like that that just needs one more little. I mean, imagine that Blue Jays lineup if you put Starling Marte in, even at like even in the number eight hole, but like possibly up near the top. Yeah. I don't know. Even like, uh, can the Yankees count on Aaron Hicks after coming back from a torn tendon sheath in his Yankees make a lot of sense. Yankees make a lot of sense. Yeah. I I mean, the Yankees got to get more contact oriented and we'll get to that in a second because uh, Anthony Rizzo is next on your list at 14. I think maybe that's a bit of a hot take. Um, 
because Rizzo really didn't have a good year. And we just finished our mock draft last week. And Rizzo, I, re- I remember you took him, Matthew, really, really late. can't remember if it was like the last round or second to last round. I think that could be a great pick if he re-signs with the Yankees. But I think that's the big question right now. Does he return to New York? Well, I have no idea about that. But <laughs> I still think he's got – I don't think he's fallen off as much as maybe the numbers suggest a little bit because the strikeouts haven't gone really up at, up at all. His exit velocities are still fine. They're not really any different than when he was hitting – 30 homers a couple of years ago. I think there's, I don't think he's anywhere near done. Yeah. Well, certainly I think it would be beneficial for the Yankees to uh, keep Rizzo because of that contact ability. He's always had a really good approach and, you know, the difference between him and, and Luke Voigt being there, you know, you still have um, Joey Gallo on the roster. You have Gary Sanchez, like they need to figure something out to get, to make a bit more contact with this lineup. They're a bit more, a bit one dimensional right now. I think DJ LeMay, gets, makes a ton of contact obviously. Um, but I think they need to add a new look to their lineup this off season. So certainly, you know, if you, if you do sign a Correa or Seager, but if you pair that with a Rizzo, I think that would be a, a good way to start to overhaul that. Yeah, like in fantasy, Rizzo has a safe floor like yeah. with the plate discipline, um, he could still possibly reach upper 20s in home runs, especially if he's hitting a Yankee stadium, possibly get back into the 30s. He, he's I, a good I, defender. Too. He's yeah. very good at first Very base. good defensive first baseman. Um, I could see him going back to the Yankees, and, and I like Matthew's prediction. Around three years, maybe like upper 50 million. Yeah. That would make it's, a lot of sense. And then they could even keep Luke Voigt around too and, and just – kind of tandem them again, even though he's, Voight didn't seem to really like that. Yeah, he's going to be a fascinating case this winter, whether he's traded or, or non-tendered. I could see either uh, scenario playing out, but I think what I'd miss with Rizzo, if he did go to the American League full-time, he probably won't be fielding bunts as much, and Rizzo is one of the most aggressive players I've ever seen mm-hmm. charging up to home plate for, for bunts. He's like almost like Keith Hernandez-like. He's basically like right in front of the batter, which is Super scary to me, but I guess not to him. Uh, so you have Carlos Rodon, 15. We, we kind of already went over why this is the, I guess, high risk, high reward with him. Uh, I do think it'd probably be pretty risky to give him a long-term deal. You know, showed, a, showed a lot in the first half, but that, that was, a shock, it was a shock to everyone because he hadn't been that pitcher for such a, yeah. a long time or ever. Um, <laughs> he was one of the best pitchers in baseball for like four months. Yeah, G- going on five months. I, I, I mean, I, in a normal off season, I, I, it's hard to contextualize this off season with other off season. But there would be one crazy owner who would talk himself in, into to really spending on Carlos Rodon. This off season, I have no idea what 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 he's going to command coming off the the shoulder problems down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Michael Conforto, you have number 16. And, you know, I think this was someone who was probably on their way to a $100 million contract um, a year ago, certainly in a great 2020, uh, shortened 2020 season. Usually, well, he's had an up and down career, to be fair. He's been hurt a couple of times. He actually had his shoulder pop out on a swing and came back and and made an all-star team. But this year really just never got in a good groove 
I'd say the final like month or so, he he started to look a bit more like himself. But he pulled the ball a lot this year, I noticed. And and when Michael Conforto is going well, he uses the whole field. Like that's just what he does. That's what I'm used to seeing for five years. So it was pretty jarring to just see him just out of sync for the for the majority of the season. But he's someone I could see a team signing and getting a tremendous bargain. But I think the question for me is whether he takes a qualifying offer or he declines and takes a shorter term deal and tries again in a couple of years. But either way, I, I think he's I think he's going to go somewhere or stay with the Mets and, and bounce back and be fine. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, he wasn't striking out any more than usual this year. He's actually striking out less than usual. His side yeah. cast numbers were pretty similar to his normal, like his exit velocity, his hard hit rate. His hard hit, was, hard hit rate was right at his career average. And I think he's a safe bet to, you know, Maybe he's never going to hit 322 again. I don't think that was kind of a fluke from yeah. 2020. But, you know, 260, 270 with very good power, plenty of walks. I think he's a, you know, a very fine regular. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it speaks to this market that he's like just inside kind of the top 20 free agents. And he's a dude who held a an OPS in the mid to high 800s through the first six years of his career and has been a 30 homer hitter in the past, been an all-star um, one down kind of down season. He wasn't like terrible and, and he was injured. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he, in it, again, and in like a normal off season, he's a guy who would, who would do pretty well. I, I have no idea um, what to guess on him. I think he'll be a really worthwhile, like low base salary. I, I don't know. Maybe he could do pretty well, but like a, a good high risk or low risk, high reward kind of, bounce back candidate for some team that needs a little pop and, and could stumble their way into a really good hitter. He's, he's uh quietly very good in right field as well. Um, so I think that's, that's a plus for him as well. And uh, sort of a contrast, I guess, to JD Martinez, who, you know, is getting into his mid thirties, you know, limited defensively, you know, kind of fits in that. I mean, at least he can play some outfield. He can stand there. Uh, Nelson Cruz is, you know, in that area too. You know, Nelson Cruz will probably get a one-year deal. JD Martinez more likely to get, I don't know, two years, probably at most at this point in his career, and still a respectable slugger. And obviously, if we're assuming the Universal DH is coming to the National League, he'll probably do pretty well. But uh, until we know that for sure, obviously he's not going to sign anywhere. I could see him being a, a pretty late signing. Oh, so we don't actually know he's a free agent yet because he can still right, right, stay right. into his $19.375 million salary next year with the Red Sox if he wants to. Right. Which, Which he might do. Yeah, he might do that. I think Kyle Schwarber is really interesting in this same kind of vein. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what, what he does. Went on a historic power streak with the Nationals before he got hurt and then got traded to the Red Sox. Um, with the, I mean, the universal DH is huge for him. I think he's he's going to get paid. And a lot of teams will talk themselves into, into Kyle Schwarber as they should. I mean, he, he's yeah. perfect fit for a, a DH for any team that needs to add a, a bat to the middle of their lineup. And or the Cubs non tendered him last winter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those teams oh, man. come to him last year. I yeah. Mean, there was always a lot to like there. I didn't think he was going to hit, you know, 20 homers in five games, whatever we did there. But, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not far off. A lot of them against the Mets, actually. A lot of them against the Mets. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, we talked about a little bit already. Uh, number 18 on the list. 
He's still pretty young. I think he's going to do just fine. Available. Yeah. He's going to do fine. He's the youngest Um, free agent available? Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to do well. You know, I think um, the ERA was in the high fours, I think, if I remember. But, um, you know, going by some of the more advanced metrics, it was, you know, it was better. Peripheral-wise, he was solid. I think he's a good He's a good buy for someone. Uh, Rysel Iglesias. Sorry, go ahead. I think those last two posting starts are going to help him, too. He looked yep. good in both yeah. of those. Yeah. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, you have number 19. I, I think I think he's the best reliever available. I don't think there's a doubt about that. And I think quietly, he's sort of under the radar. You know, that tends to maybe not so much this year due to, to Otani, but the Angels are a bad team. Uh, so the closer on a bad team, you know, might not get as much attention, but he's been fantastic with the angels and he's always yeah, i don't know yeah yeah i i could see him staying with the angels perhaps but who knows i mean I he could like sign the reds could use a guy like him <laughs> the angels fair enough they didn't trade him you know they could have gotten a decent return for him but they held they stayed put yeah yeah why didn't uh, the angels trade him <laughs> that's a good question I guess why do the I, angels do what they do with their <laughs> why are you like you are yes yeah. that is the key question with them yeah i mean we, we talked about some of these names already justin verlander as we get in the 20s you had posey 21 verlander 22 brandon belt 23 so we kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier chris taylor noah Syndergaard, uh clayton kershaw i don't know i guess he's just a huge question mark right now he's a dodger no matter what yeah. happens with the health yeah all right are we? Are we? Is that the consensus we have that he's absolutely a Dodger no matter what? It'd be a shame if he wasn't. I don't. Yeah. No, but it's such a sure thing with as much money as they have to spend this winter to keep yeah. it together. But I hope so. I think so, probably. Yeah. Kenley Jansen probably less so. That'd be a bummer too. But they do have Blake Trinan for another year, so you know that is one area they could save some money on if they wanted to. Yeah, I think if you're doing, I got Trinan towards the very end of our slow mock draft for 2022. Um, if you're doing an early early draft, I think Trinan could be ready to step into that ninth inning role for the Dodgers. I don't think they're going to pay big money to Jansen or, or really any reliever. They have so many arms they can just throw at the problem uh, if, if they have some relief issues. But I, I, I could be proven wrong. They did give Jansen a huge contract last time around. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I, I guess we could take Posey out of this, but like even getting in the late 20s here, we have Kershaw, Jansen. Steven uh, Matt Steve, was really good down the stretch. He was good. He was good. Uh, John Gray, Jorge Soler, who was amazing yeah. with the Braves World to finish MVP. out the regular season. And then the postseason, of course, uh, came back from COVID and, you know, you wouldn't know it based off what he did. Um, Anthony DeScofani, um Zach Ranky's kind of a mystery, but like, you know, you get 30 deep in this free agent class and like, these are like huge names. Uh, and it's a shame that come December 2nd, you know, maybe might be waiting a while, but uh, definitely go to NBCSportsEdge.com. You can look at the whole uh, top 111 list. Where did you have Aaron Loop? Uh, <laughs> popped into my head. Something like that. Yeah. Man, he had a 54. He had an amazing year. He was just he was just lights out every time he came into a game this year. 0.95 ERA in 56 and two-thirds innings. I want the Mets to just give him whatever he wants, honestly. 
And you say like, Kikuchi those... jumping on that free agent market too is is interesting. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, I, I love him. He but didn't have the breakout so, year that people thought. Yeah, he is very yeah. frustrating. But uh, he's got the stuff to figure it out at some point. He's not as old as like maybe some uh, pitchers from Japan usually are at this time of their major league tenure. Yeah. Oh, well, pretty soon we're going to be getting into draft guide mode. Uh, our annual magazine, uh, usually our deadlines right around the new year. So I don't know if we're going to have a lot of resolution uh, going into our, our magazine, which is unfortunate, but yeah, we're, we're going to have to do our best. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, good, good luck to us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to get started soon. I, I'm like itching to get started, honestly. And we already started kind of looking ahead with our mock draft anyway. So I think I'm already in that, in that headspace. Another note here for our listeners before we go, we have a special offer. You can use promo code BASIS10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge Plus. Can be either monthly or annual and for any tier. It also works across all sports. So football, basketball, hockey, all underway. So it's a really great value. Remember, promo code BASIS10. You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to get started. As for the show, um, we're going to go to two episodes per week now. Uh, Chris and Colin will have their show come out on Wednesdays. Uh, during the off season and myself and drew will have our show come out on friday mornings and i guess from there we'll we'll sort of play it by ear i think maybe if you know some major stuff goes down we might do a a little pop-in episode to to go over it but we'll see i i think this off season is we're kind of open-minded you know based on how things go i guess is the best way to put it drew yeah the only way to be for this off season is open-minded i the gm meetings are next week um, maybe we'll hear something about the landscape, the blueprint of a new CBA coming out of that. Probably not. I think it's going to go pretty dark until December 1 or right around the end of November. But who knows? It's really unpredictable about what's going what's gonna to happen with the, with the CBA still up in the air. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm hoping for the so- best. I hope it – they were talking very optimistically around the World Series. I, I'm sure that's just – um, like Manfred and Tony Clark were both, you know, saying the things that you want to hear. But when it comes down to negotiations and the players trying to get what they want, I I think it could could get ugly. Do you think people tune that stuff out? Like fans? Yeah. Um, I remember when the COVID stuff was going on, like, you know, when they were debating, you know, length of season and, and all that kind of stuff. And Manfred, you know, just said, here's the season. This is when it's starting report basically is what happened. There was no agreement. There was a lot of frustration from fans, but then I feel like everybody forgot about it. As soon oh as yeah. The players report. Yeah. That, that, that is, has happened throughout history. Um, how quickly people forget about how contentious the, I think the, the owners kind of run the, they're way better at uh, the PR side of this whole process. Um, they get their point across through certain reporters. Um, and you never hear anything about, you know, the MLBPA's counter offers through those same reporters. I'm, I'm not like criticizing them, but it's just the owners kind of know how to do it better. I'm sure they hire consulting firms on, on how to, how to win the PR battle. So there's going to be frustration about the players are being greedy. You know, I'm just, you know, I, I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's, oh, well, I, I know exactly what you mean. It, it's yeah. even like a, a contract negotiation. Like for some reason, 
uh, I feel like fans always seem to come out as being like anti-player or the players look greedy. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that that always seems to come to the surface here, that the ownership always tends to win those battles in the, the court of public opinion for whatever reason. You'd think it would help that it's a lockout and not a strike, but <laughs> however they yeah, want to understand that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there's especially after what happened during COVID and like you know people lost their jobs and stuff, it can seem a little petty sometimes. And you would hope that there wouldn't be spring training pushed back and stuff like that. I think that could be a big hit to baseball. Uh, at a time when they certainly need as many like young fans as they can get, new fans, uh, it can be a turnoff. So I, I'm sure both sides, and we, we we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about this, but but both sides probably realize that this is not the time in the in the world in the media landscape for baseball to have a work stoppage. Um, yeah. They can just not afford that right now with this sport. Um, and I, I think both sides will realize that. Does that matter when it comes to getting what you want at the negotiating table? Probably not. But I, I think yeah. both of them would be smart to try to iron this stuff out before there's any nastiness. Yeah, let's hope so. But I, hope I, so. I think we all know what we're expecting. Yeah. Well, we will be back a week from now. I'm not sure we, we've decided what we're going to talk about yet. We'll see what guests we'll have, what the theme will be. But trivia, whatever. It's, it's cool. It might be trivia. We'll see. I, I don't want uh, Matthew involved, though. He'd, he'd roast me. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. That's oh, probably it's, true. But... It's not probably true. It's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. But Matthew, thanks for coming on. Um, sure. And for, yeah, yeah. Previewing, previewing your column. Always a great read. Head over to NBCSportsEdge.com to, to check it out for yourself. If you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. Be safe out there, and we will see you next time.